Hi, everyone. I'm very glad to be here. My name is Gabrielle Sternfeld. I'm from Israel. I'm a healer and do light work. And also for many years now, the work of possibility management when it came to Israel with Clinton. And then uh, I did a lab, two labs and a few trainings. So, and it's been a while that I'm working with this aspect of the feminine, feminine circle, the wounded feminine, sexuality, tantra, temple training, a lot of things on my path with this uh, question. And also a big issue in my life. Uh, and so I'm so happy to see all of those beautiful women here. And I, uh, when I wanted to, to talk with Aunt Chloe because I said, okay, who has a, a new perception about the feminine, something for the new earth? Because what I see around me, it's a lot of reaction, like a reaction also about the Petrach, I don't know what to say, but Petrachalia and Chloe. Patriarchy, patriarchy, yeah, patriarchy. Patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And, and I see a lot of my circles in Israel. There are a lot of people do a lot of work and light work and self-growth, uh, etc. And, and everyone is a goddess. Everyone doing something about goddesses and being a goddess and a woman work. And I look at it and I appreciate it, but I feel it's... it's uh, it's not aligned, not with, with the energy that we are in now and not where we want to go because it's not a real answer. And knowing Anne Chloe and the work that we are doing here with the feelings and the emotional body and, and also the integrity that Anne Chloe, you, you have big integrity for me. So I... So I said, okay, who is the woman that inspired me, that can really answer me? I just, I, I evoked this uh, conversation by a personal interest to, to feel and to know more about uh, your perception about, we talked a lot about white widow energy, about sexuality, about uh, archetypal women. So this is what I evoked to the space today and to hear about it. Thank you. Thank you, Gabriela. Yeah, my, my name is Enkoi Destromo. And like Gabriela said, I work in this context of possibility management. I'm a possibility management trainer. And I'm, I really feel glad and scared of having been invited into this space of womanhood. Because uh, I never really considered myself researching womanhood. I had a lot of other domains of research. And lately it's been really coming um, with more clarity and force about God, there is this force of nature called the archaeical woman. And just from what you said, Gabriela, I, I'm really wary. I'm really careful to talk about the feminine because in my experiences, the feminine is archetypal. And so the feminine has been, this force called the feminine has been there 
before the universe started and will be there after the, you know, after we're gone and the universe is gone. And the, and the feminine, you know, cannot be wounded because the, the feminine is just this force and it exists as an archetypal, it's available, it is available to us. And when I say us is, yes, the, the women and, and also the men, but it is a force that is just available. And what's been wounded is woman through the patriarchy. And it's been about 6,000 years of patriarchy. And within the context of a patriarchal culture, there is no initiation for both the men and the woman. So it is not included in the culture that at the age of 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, when our system is ready to go through initiation between childhood and adulthood, is there, there is nothing. At 18 years old, what we're given is the right to drink, the right, the right to smoke, to travel without our parents, whatever, to do. This is quote unquote modern culture initiation in, into adulthood and they're fake. This is fake. And so what we're left as women is that we're left uninitiated. And really to talk about, even to talk about uh, something, a, a dimension called the archaeal woman, this conversation needs to happen outside of the patriarchy. And so really the main, for me, my main healing journey and transformational journey for myself and for the women that I've been working with is, is it starts with escaping the patriarchy in us. And so it's very easy to, to say, ah, oh, the, the patriarchy is a men culture. It is, it is in the men. And actually, if you think about it, I mean, I've thought about it a lot, is that if every woman in the world, which is supposedly whatever, half of the population, every woman in the world said to their partner, brother, father, saying, you know, I will, you know, to their partner, I will not sleep with you if you go work in a corporation. To go work for a corporation that is killing life on planet Earth, you get out of my house. You know, I will, I will not engage with you. I will not relate to you if you keep, you know, putting your life, energy, and attention into something that is destroying Gaia because I am Gaia. And every hour that you spend in a corporation, you're destroying me. And to be absolutely clear about that, to, for a woman to say this, she would need to be outside of the patriarchy. It'd be absolutely clear about there is this world called modern culture, the patriarchal capitalist empire, and it's killing life on planet Earth at the fastest rate possible, and I have no part in it. And if the woman would actually do this, the patriarchy would have collapsed already. It would collapse immediately. And so really, we have, you know, when I say we, the woman, or the, the possibility of an archaeal woman has so much power, just so much force. Okay, well, why, okay, and then the question is, why are we not there yet? Why is this not happening? And this is where, at the point where I'm working, it is that mm, for for a woman to take that stand, she would need to move out of the patriarchy and 
being in the patriarchy has benefit for a woman. And when I say woman is with a, a small W, let's say, that's an uninitiated woman is a small W and an initiated woman would be with a capital W, whatever, a woman. And, and that's really something that for me is, is a lot more interesting to work with is where are we? Where are we in terms of our path of escaping the patriarchy and what is in our way? And <clears throat> I mean, I can give you know, a clear example, but as for example, I was raised with three other sisters by a mother. Basically my father wasn't quite around. And what I got is God, my mother educated me and raised me to be a good patriarchal woman. It, she raised me to give my center away to men, to be adaptive to men, to do what they want, to play in their game. And, and so one of the big wound and healing that I'm still going through is where are my models? Where, where's my map? Where are the women that I can, I can map onto and say, God, that, that, that seems authentic. That seems that she's on a path to, or really this transformational initiation, healing path to stand in what a woman with a capital W can be, what we are, what we truly are, and and there's a, you know, there's a would be a wish. I mean, for me, there's a wish inside of me of being okay. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what a woman truly is, you know, and what's possible for a woman with a capital W. And at the same time is if we don't talk about also where we are, that's a fantasy world. That is, then it's sort of what you were saying is, oh yes, I could be a goddess. God, I, I could be a warrioress. God, I could be a queen. Okay, well, how? And, and that's really the, the path that is interesting for me is how. And <clears throat> the, one of the, 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 a big healing process that I had to face in myself, and you mentioned it, Gabriella, in your introduction is reclaiming my rage, my pure woman rage. And when I started unleashing and discovering this conscious adult rage, what I discovered was hatred, just pure all-consuming hatred towards men. God, and I thought I was a good girl. You know, I thought I was a lovely woman. I thought, you know, I had partners and I had um, male friends and I was this, um, you know, everybody loved me. I was this lovable woman, whatever, girl, basically. I was this lovable little girl. And then finally, when I was on this path of discovering what a woman is, the first thing that I hit was this hatred. And and I want to I want to talk about this because I've heard you know, women in my in my circle around me saying, no, I don't think I really have that because I have a son, because I had you know husbands or I have partner, and I I really I'm okay with men around. And so I've been thinking about okay, what how can we how as a woman can I deny myself so much that I don't even realize that it is actually a, a, an appropriate answer to hate men 
for what has happened to women for the past 6,000 years. So how is it that we can be in such denial that we're pretending to be okay with what has happened? And one of the answers that I, I got was that to survive in the patriarchy, men are our protectors. Men are the one who protects us, the one who provides safety. If they love us, then we will not be killed. If they approve of us, then we will not be exiled from the village, from the community, from our family. I mean, there's just stories after stories of children being taken away from their mothers because the mother was actually, the woman was becoming a woman. With a, you know, finally started to feel something and, and, and the, the punishment was exile. So there is, a, we have a lot of decisions and experience in ourselves that it is forbidden. It is forbidden for women to be angry at men, to hate men. And okay, in the patriarchy, this is within the culture of the patriarchy. And so when, as a woman, you, you make this journey had to discover that there's something else than the patriarchy and actually because that's the only place where you can be yourself. The only place where you can be yourself is outside of the patriarchy in a culture that supports and um, is centered basically on initiation, on a path of initiation. In a path of initiation in terms of, in the direction of delivering, that you're on this path to deliver your archetypal lineage. And so for people who, and not part of this uh, context of possibility management, your archetypal lineage is the job that you're here to deliver, your non-material value service to your village, your tribe, your community, the world, basically. So each person has a unique archetypal lineage that follows a unique quest. And, and for me, this is exciting, that to talk about becoming an archaeological woman is, is, is absolutely embedded and linked into becoming the woman who delivers her archetypal lineage in the world, who becomes the space through which her archetypal lineage and her bright principles, which are also facets of consciousness, let's say. Um, for example, my bright principles are love, possibility, clarity, transformation, empowerment. So I am even in right now, I'm, I, I, I have become this space through which love, possibility, clarity, transformation, empowerment can speak. And, and, and so, and this is the path of becoming this archaeological woman. It is embedded in become and in, in delivering your service and in reality. Like, so what I mean is there's a way to have a website put up and that says, I'm a, I'm a shaman, uh, healer, um, a whatever, goddess of the lights or something. And you can put that on your website. Okay, well, what are you really creating in reality? What non-material value are people willing to pay you for? Because you are that. Because when, after they've met you, been with you, been in your presence, they can become 
someone different. So it's not about having more information or it's not about having a nice, um, whatever, cozy pink space that women we know also know how to make. But delivering your non-material value is, a, is, is measurable. It is measurable in who, who, are, who are the people around you becoming. And that's how you can measure it. I want to say a few, I want to Go ask ahead. you a few things. Um, I want you to, to expand and say more about this initiation and not only with possibility management language. <laughs> okay. okay. Because, because it's, it's clear for you and for me, because I know what is right principle and everything, but I want it more tangible. What is initiation in the new culture? how it's look, how we do it. Yes. <clears throat> I'm going to give a little context about what I mean by initiation. Initiation, what I mean by initiation is any experience after which you can take more responsibility than you could before. Hmm. I want to give a very clear example. In, For example, often where we have to start the work, the path of initiation is our ability to navigate our emotional body, which means being able to feel angry, scared, sad, and glad, and that unmixed between zero and 100%. And, and to be able to, to say, I feel angry because, or I feel sad because, I feel fear because, I feel glad because. If, if you can say this, where before you could not say, I feel angry, for example, then that means you have taken responsibility for your anger. And that's an initiation to take responsibility for what you are feeling. And to be clear, okay, whether, is it a feeling? So is it emerging in the present, you know, and then I use it, I'm using it to handle my life, to be in life, to be alive, and then it disappears out of my system. Or is it an emotion where it comes up and then it lasts longer than three minutes. And if an emotion of anger, sadness, fear, or joy, or mix such as depression or despair or hopelessness or resentment lasts longer than three minutes, then it's an emotion. And what's wonderful about this is that this is a gateway for an emotional healing process. And in terms of uh, initiation and escaping the patriarchy is that the, the healing process within the patriarchy are to have used two phases. So it, it's the, the phase one is basically everything's okay. Or I'm pretending that everything's okay. Basically I'm numb. And then I get sick where I have an imbalance and the healing process says, okay, you're sick. You have an imbalance or you have a feeling, you have an emotion, you are broken. Something is wrong with you. You need to be fixed. You need to be fixed so that you can go back to what you thought was normal. Everything's fine. I'm numb. And so a two-phase healing process basically force pushes you back into being a functional economic slave. And we'll soon talk about it. Sex slave, whatever, sex slave in the patriarchy. You're okay. You're broken. We're going to put, back, put you back to being okay. Okay. In terms of escaping the patriarchy, we're talking about three-phase healing. Where the first phase is, you're okay, you have a shape, you're, it's, it's seemingly that your shape matches your environment and it seems like things are okay. And then because 
you know, you can consider that the purpose of the universe is evolution. So actually you're evolving and actually all the environment around you is evolving also. And then there's this imbalance. And in a free phase healing, you have a sickness, an emotion, um, uh, you know, conflict, a breakdown. And we say, yes, this is wonderful because this is your wake up call for your next initiation. You having, you're becoming bigger and you basically, your, your system is asking, I want to take more responsibility. And if you don't take responsibility, that's where the breakdown comes from. It's basically knocking on the door saying, you are bigger. And now you need to, to go into this liquid state so that your, your system can actually get bigger and, in, and include your evolution. And, and so this is why we call the second phase, it's a liquid state. Because who you were before doesn't work anymore. You don't know who you are anymore. It's groundless. And you don't know yet who you're becoming. And, and so if in a liquid state, you will feel something. It is impossible to go through a liquid state without feeling mad, sad, glad, and scared. And if it's not okay to feel, if you have a, a decision, a thought where about anger is bad, sadness is bad, fear is bad, even maybe joy is bad, then what you will do is you say, I cannot be in this liquid state. I need to go back to phase one. I need to go back to, I was okay before. I want to go back to normal. I want to, you know, why can't it just be normal? And this is thing of, you know, really what I talk to women, it's like, where did you get the idea that you're normal? You are a woman. How, where did you get this thing that there is a thing called a normal woman? Okay, in the patriarchy, there's this image of normal woman. Okay, but that's not you. And so, and, and so this is why it's so necessary in the beginning to just lower this numbness bar and learning how to feel so that finally you can move into phase three where this is the new you and you don't know how it goes. You, you don't know anymore how to relate, how to relate to yourself, how to relate to others, what your jobs are, everything's new. And it's like, okay, what you feel there most is often fear. You know, it's this fear of the unknown, the fear of, God, who will I become? Okay, and that's in the beginning, but then you finally learn to just inhabit this new shape for a while. And the thing is, really, if you're on this path of evolution, this new shape will be there for like, half an hour, a day, maybe a week. And then you, you know, and then you into your next imbalance. And, and you can, really, I've learned to build this resilience of celebrating, celebrating the imbalance, celebrating the conflict, celebrating the breakdown as I, I'm each of those, whatever signal is a stepping stone for me to move more and more solidly in what I call next culture that you mentioned also, Gabriella, called archiarchy. And that's why I, I call the woman the archiarchal woman. And if I, I just, I'll say a few words about archiarchy so that it's clear about what, I'm, what I mean. And so ar archiarchy is the culture that emerges out of after matriarchy and patriarchy have run their course. And matriarchy was something around 
uh, we walk around and the great mother Gaia feeds us and takes care of us. So the great mother takes care of us. And then with overpopulation, matriarchy collapsed basically because there was just not enough of land to take care of people. So then people moved into patriarchy, which is a hierarchical, um, whatever structure where if I say it quickly, the, the people who take over power structures are the one who can do anything, who will do anything to have power over. And the people who are the best suited at this are psychopaths. And so you, you, can, you can really research this, but at the, at the top of every hierarchical structure, whether it's a government, whether it's an NGO, whether it's a church, whether it's a, even a, a healing school, if there's a hierarchy, then the person at the top have are psychopaths who have psychopathic behavior, meaning there's a disconnection between their decision, their mind, and their heart. They have no conscience. There is no, a psychopath has no conscience. So it makes a lot of sense about what's happening in the world. Really, it just makes a lot of sense that, okay, why was all the good intention and people trying to do their best and um, all these edge workers basically working in the world that there's corporation, uh, you know, pumping oil, minerals, basically killing Gaia at the fastest rate possible. Well, because psychopaths have taken over. That's it's, And it doesn't take a lot for whatever, for them to destroy Gaia. Okay, so this is a patriarchy. Archiarchy is the culture that emerges after that, patriarchy is dying. It's actually already dead. And archiarchy is the culture where it's a creative collaboration between the archetypally initiated women creatively collaborate with the archetypally initiated masculine or men. And, and so I'm saying this because this is why I'm talking about a path of initiation. And I'm talking about the archaeical woman is that what if we were the one to, what if we had, we were the one who had enough freedom of movement to take a stand for next culture? That we have enough freedom of movement because we've been slave in the patriarchy. The men are masters. We're slave and they're masters. Well, it's easier for the slave to say, God, I'd like something else. Something else is possible. If we're willing to give up, you know, the position of being a slave because it's so comfortable to be a slave. It is so comfortable. People tell us what to do, don't have to take responsibility. I can be a victim, I can have resentment, I can take revenge, um, whatever. And so if we're willing to say, well, enough of that. It's been long enough for me to be a victim and to take revenge on men and to hate men. Just, I've done this long enough. I've done this for 6,000 years, got it. And now I have this chance of initiating myself into a radically responsible human being. And on this path of healing, so that I can build the bridge and inhabit next culture and turn around and make an invitation to my fellow sisters and brothers saying, what if you, what if we, you came and play over here? Don't you have enough of the patriarchy? Has that been not long enough? Okay, yes, you will need to go for liquid state. 
yes, it will not be painless. Yes, you will have to face, you know, your underworld. You'll have to go into your underworld and see what you've done, both men and women, what you've created. I mean, the, I, I'm, I'm sure you have another question, Gabriela. I want to- No, it's the same. I want to ask more about it because if we're talking about emotional healing, okay? Yes. There is this woman here in me, maybe here, and saying, okay, you speak about patriarchy, you speak about the big things, but when, when we talk about emotions, it's, it's like addiction sometimes to be a slave. It's not only because it's, a, it's a easier. It's like, this is what I know, and this uh, illusion that I really need this energy to survive. Like many women that I know, they use uh, the man energy, it's hidden, and they go to the world, they are goddesses and amazing, and, 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 but they work with this. So when you're talking, and I know you're talking in this, yeah, of course we need to go out from patriarchy and it sounds amazing, archaeology, but it feels like, okay, what is my support? What is really my support when, when I have circumstances in life that uh, convinced me that I'm, I'm, I'm in prison, I need to stay here, the victim uh, thing, you know? On the emotional yeah. level. Yeah. The best support that I found was to have women on a similar path as I was and fierce. Women who have their sword out and they say, you know, your success is my success. If you can heal, then you're healing me. And so I will not let bullshit go by. I will not let the, the, like you said, this addiction illusion that we need to stay slave go by. And it's and because, I mean, many of the women that I hear that I see in this call have experienced even for a second or half an hour or for to some degree, there's been an experience of what is it like to interact with the world and with other, other women and other men outside of the patriarchy. And so when you have one reference point, what I do is when I have one reference point is that I say, this is possible. This is possible. And what is, what is in me that is stopping me from this? Because this is ecstatic. And so, for example, um, there's groups around the world that are going through together through this white widow healing. You mentioned this because that, the white widow, which is using sexual energy as a part of the survival strategy, part of the survival strategy to survive in the patriarchy is really a, a big dimension of how we keep ourselves in the patriarchy, like you said. And so they, the, the, the process, I mean, you know, what I, I can say a little bit about what a white widow is because it's part of it, you know, it's still part of my gremlin, it's still part of my survival strategy. And I've been able to make a gap between being a white widow and being a woman, but it's like being an alcoholic. Like you said, it's an addiction. So it's like, I'm an, you know, alcoholic says I'm an alcoholic and I've been sober for so many years. Okay. I'm a white widow and I've been sober for about two and a half years. 
you know, and it took me an entire year. Well, first of all, it took me this realization, somebody telling me uh, that I was a white widow. I needed an external feedback saying, hmm, it seems like you throw little, you know, balls of, of flirting, you know, and sexual energy towards men so that they will be nice to you, so that they will do what you want them to do, so that you um, basically control them and manipulate them. God, and when somebody told me this, when I heard this, I could feel my whole body going, oh, finally somebody see me. Finally, somebody can see this horror that I've been creating. And that it is, it was so disrespectful toward myself. It was like, I was a prostitute. I was just not doing physical sex. I was doing psychic sex by being a prostitute. So I could feel safe. And I thought, is that the only, you know, when finally I got this, I, finally the possibility of, what have I been missing? Something like that. This question of what have I been missing because the only way that I knew how to relate with men was to touch them, drink in their glass, do little smiles, having little eyes across the rooms, playing with my hair, wearing really short or see-through or sexy clothes. So I could walk down the street and I knew every man would just turn their head around. And I knew I was in control. And it, but that was so dead and so empty. And really what I discovered is I was just so angry. I don't know if I was just so angry at myself and, I, and that, that's what I've learned. That's what I've been taught. And so, I, and then I could really find other women where we started talking about this and, and really putting, being radically honest about how we're, how we're using our sexual energy in, to stay in the patriarchy as a patriarchal technology and, and to catch each other when we would do it. You know, and it's, it was not just men with women, also women and women do it with each other, whatever. It's, it, it's not just men and women. And, and so, okay, the healing process in terms of a white widow, what I had to do was close my second chakra. So the second chakra was completely open all the time. All my sexual energy would just go, you know, would just spread around all the time. I had to close my second chakra and, and see, okay, how, and to just walk in the world. And in the beginning, I would just, I was basically scared. I was absolutely scared. I would not look at anybody in the eyes. I had to really be, you know, I had to be, God, I, I need to feel myself. I need to feel myself in the world without that layer, that buffer of protection. And after a year, I started doing little experiment of looking at, especially men in the eyes. And I noticed I could be, I could do it for like 10 seconds and then my sexual energy would come out and I would still protect myself. Okay, I wouldn't look again. And I would just do little experiment like that. And, and what really helped me was actually to get that I'm a warrioress. And that was through my rage. And to get, I have a sword, I have a center, a grounding cord, a bubble, a sword, and actually I can say what I want. I can ask for what I want and I can say no. 
and I can say stop. And that was really a big part of the white widow healing. And, and so it was the warrioress initiation, like finally initiating the warrioress in me. And that was parallel to this white widow healing. And after a year and a half, you know, and that may be um, part of a conversation that we'll have, but after a year and a half, I could finally start um, my journey of healing sexual abuse and healing my sexuality and, and finally entering into uh, this question of what is sex? You know, what is five body sex, not just physical sex, you know, but what is, what is this interaction between whatever a man and a woman or me and a man that is, that lives outside of the patriarchy. So I can talk a little bit about that if, if you want about sexuality, but you might want to say something. Yes, I, I really want, but before I want, because I feel intuitively, I feel scared when you say I close my second chakra because I know that I did it, not so aware, but I did it, you know, also not uh, to wear too sexy and to really for a long time, but always in my mind, I have like, this is a healing that I need to do to open it again or a sexual healing. And you know? not like, like you, you took, a, you took a moment and you said, okay, I need to do change here. I need to transformation. Me, I feel like I did it by life somehow and I hide it. I'm like, I stuck my white window in. She's there, okay? But all the time in the especially where I live, uh, it's like, I need to open my sexuality. I need to be more sexual. And also all people come to me and naturally I heal something in them. Like I open something in this uh, area. But for me, when you talk about it, I fear, I'm like, so what does it mean? Not to, not to wear beauty things and not to be woman and not to be, uh, I don't mm. know what about this charm? So this is what comes to me when you talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought this because there's a there's a really a difference in hiding the white widow, meaning, and that the hiding would be being in denial of it or trying to pretend that you're not a white widow and saying, I'm a white widow, but I have choice. And my my guess is that anyway, in my interaction with you is right now. I don't, I don't think you still have, you're not really at this point of having choice of using your, your sexuality either consciously or unconsciously. And that's the path, I mean, that's the purpose. So the purpose is not saying sexuality is bad or sexual energy is bad. Really, it's, it's really not about that. It's to say when it is used unconsciously, it will serve unconscious purposes. So it will serve your shadow purpose, you know, and, and, whatever, my, my shadow purpose is totally this. My shadow purpose is throwing sexual, and, you know, throwing sexual energy hook so that I can manipulate and, and basically drain people out of their energy until they're basically dead. And then I'm bored with them. And I said, well, fuck you. And then I walk away. You know, okay, that's my shadow purpose. Okay, well, as an archaeological woman or like being on this path and as a space holder and as a healer, okay, I need to be absolutely aware of what my shadow purpose is, absolutely aware and have choice about it. And so, so 
that my 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 proposal for you, Gabriela, would be to do it consciously and to do it with a team, a team of women who are on the same path. And you can share your experiences and the fears. There will be huge fears, like you said, huge fears about it. And 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 go through the emotional healing processes of anyway, for me it was going through emotional healing process about how I lost my dignity, how I lost my respect, how I lost my integrity because I thought I had no other choice but to use my sexual energy. And then, and then to, it's like, okay, it was not bad. It was the only choice that I had at whatever, it was the best, it was the best I could do. Okay, but now I have more distinction and more clarity and to just grieve these moments you just grieve and then have the, the, the freedom of movement, creating this gap between me and the white widow. And then the me, the me, I, and I'm still very much in this healing process and this transformational process about discovering what is this feminine, whatever, um, sensuality that is healing. And then that is part of my quest and it's part of my archetypal lineage. But the question that I, the way I, I work with it is how is my sensuality, my feminineness um, supporting my work? Mm-hmm. So it's not for me, it is for my work. And, and that really gives me a big gap between this, the survival strategy and, and who I am. And I, and I it really, and it's a, it's, a, it's a long journey and I'm okay be, with it being a slow and, and a discovery journey about that. I don't need it to rush it to whatever, match some kind of idea of what the feminine is. I'm really absolutely in discovery about what is being feminine? What are the qualities of being, of being feminine? And God, does it really come out through my clothes? Well, I have doubt about that or through my hair, you know, or yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's also in the same point I can say, okay, so about sex, I want to hear you about talking about like, mm. not only about sex, also about to be sexy, like the sexy uh-huh. thing. God, the moment I feel the most sexy is in Rage Club when I'm raging. Like half of the people who are here are in the Rage Club. And when I'm, I'm, I have this mean face and I'm sweating and I'm raging and I'm raging with other people. And that's when I feel the most sexy, really. Or when, I'm, when I have slime coming down my face and I'm, and I'm, and I'm grieving for Gaia. You know, that's the moment where I, I feel the most sexy. And, and really, we're, we've been so sexually abused. I think I mentioned that. And part of the sexual, the sexual abuse is not just this, um, you know, quote unquote, whatever, what rape is, or somebody touch us and, and we don't want to be touched. I mean, that is part of it. But a lot of the sexual abuse is what we see on TV and the advertisement that we see and the magazines and the photos. And it's like, and that's what we think is sexy. And it's basically 
little girl, naked little girl. And it, and, and for me, that is, I'm enraged. I can feel I'm enraged that that is the, 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 you know, basically feeling sexy is a sensation, is an experience inside of us. But when it's connected with being a naked little girl or whatever, a, a model with um, shiny bright hair, you know, whatever, big boobs, but not too big, or whatever, it's like, oh God, this, is, this has nothing to do with being a woman, nothing. Absolutely zero nothing. Something like that. While you talked now, I felt like a transmission and I want to share, like you talked and the image about the naked and everything is like saying sex is natural. It's something from nature, yeah, from Gaia. But when you talked, I said, I saw it like the pain, how we can go and walk naked sexy when Gaia is in this situation, like how we can promote this sexiness. It's like really ignore uh, where we at in the consciousness level of human being, like we are still in slavery, men and women. So when you talked about this, you, you said it like, okay, this is make me rage. No, 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 this is reaction. Okay. But in the, I really saw like your higher self saying, wow, I cannot, I cannot participate in this movement because this movement of destruction, uh, of, of, of destroy the energy of the nature, of, of the earth, of everything that is really going. And I think that new culture, it's something about really about to be authentic and true to the possibility of create new paradigm, create something new. So I cannot adorate and say, yeah, it's sexy, it's so sweet, it's so beautiful, it's so naive, it's so pure. It's not. We are not in this age of time. Mm. And, and I really relate what you said about um, the matriarchy, because a lot of women in this path of like, hey, we were in matriarchy, we were in the goddess energy and the area. Yeah, but it didn't, uh, it didn't thrive. So it's like, I feel like it's calling for fierce love of like courage to, to really, for me, it's a path of freedom somehow mm. you say it's like okay a part of freedom not to react to this and not to to be in those image i'm happy i'm 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 glowing i'm thriving because i have a lot of sex or i have a lot of lovers or it's a lot of image like this in mm -hmm. the world can say more about it and mm. i just want to ask if is there anybody else who has a specific question about this about uh, sexuality or let's talk about sex where in any questions from anybody particular questions I had a question but not to sexuality okay can you can you remember it Christina yes um, I I am stuck uh, sometimes when, when there's 
there's a talk about escapism of patriarchy. Okay, Christine, wait, can you pause for a second? Because I, I'd like to talk about sexuality. Can you remember it for later? Your question? Uh, okay. Yes? Yeah. Thank you. I have a question. Go ahead, um, Could you talk about the relationship of sexual energy with creative energy and, and how this might relate to White Widow? Hmm. I also have a question. Okay, go ahead. I don't know who that is, but go ahead. It, it's Vera. Yeah. Uh, my question is, uh, usually sexuality, especially in modern culture, is very much related to pleasure and pleasure in a kind of a consuming or an exchanging kind of way. What other possibilities are there for sexuality in the next culture uh, and pleasure? or a new way of seeing pleasure. Okay. I'll, I'll sort of go with Vera's question. I, and Eileen, maybe your question will be answered in that. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I'd like to add something to Vera's question. It, it's, it's like what you said um, more in the beginning with the five body sex. That would be what I'm interested in. Can you say more about that? Okay. <clears throat> Can yeah. I add? Can I add my question as well? Yeah. I observe that sex is like this great. You can observe what happens and see so much about your beliefs and your thought patterns and your adaptivity and your all this all gets translated in how you have sex. And so I'm also interested in what is beyond that. If that would not be there, what would there be? Okay. Okay. I mean, so. What if there was the starting point by considering that all energy is sexual energy? And so energy from feelings, from Gaia, from the universe, from the polarity between the masculine and feminine is actually all sexual energy. And what we've called, what we've defined as sexual energy is having an orgasm you know and that and, and that maybe that's you know completely limiting to what actually sexual energy is and so what if sexual energy was a lot more neutral than what we make it to be you know and really this whole um whatever modern modern culture the religion the i mean lately at least the patriarchal culture has made sex a taboo. And then it has made sex basically the only thing that people think about. And, and, and it's this, um, this contradiction because we think sex is about you know, penetration, something like that, or having an orgasm. And, and so whatever, that possibility also exists. But in my whatever, in my research or my experience, um, you know, it's sort of, okay, what if we've only experienced what, what I would call patriarchal sex? What really, uh, maybe our basis of our experiences is patriarchal sex. And, that, and so, so it, it looks like something, like the, the woman is serving the men, and the men 
even as nicely as it looks or as pleasurable as it looks, basically uses the woman for what he wants. Okay, so then you kind of start asking your question, okay, well, what does an uninitiated man want? What is this main goal in life? Okay, well, what if it was just having an orgasm? What if all the moves from uninitiated men is to have an orgasm? And then women, we have learned to be good servants. And so when we give men an orgasm, then we feel like we've done our job well. You know, and, and that enters the domain of like, like, let's say physical orgasm, but it can also be more me metaphorical in terms of how men and women relate. Okay, well, what does a uninitiated woman want? I mean, I think that's an interesting question to carry around in us about what is it are we looking for in this uninitiated part of ourself? Well, I think a lot of what we're looking for is, the, is daddy's approval, daddy's love, having a men who would, you know, please look at me, please love me, please take care of me. So, okay, so that's, let's say that's patriarchal sex. A woman is looking for a man who's gonna, who's gonna hug her, caress her, whatever, and then the guy just wants to have an orgasm, and then when it's over, it's over, and good night. Something like that. Okay, well, if we consider of what, what would a, what does an initiated woman wants? What does what an archaeical woman really wants? So when I sort of look in myself, what I want is to be able to experience myself as an archaeical woman, having a space where I can be this gateway to this magical domain that is the archetypal feminine. And that is my greatest ecstasy. Okay. And Anyway, in my experience and in the experiments that I've done, the way that it, it the, the easiest way, let's say, for this to happen is when I have the attention, 100% attention of an initiated man. When he puts his attention on me, an initiated woman, then this gateway for the feminine can open. And that is the greatest sex I've ever had. Even if we're sitting at a cafe, really, even if we're sitting at a cafe, this is, you know, it's orgasmic in a non-physical way or whatever, a non, you know, no, there's not this climax and this moaning in the cafe. We don't, I don't do public um, sexual display, just to be clear, <laughs> but okay, what does a, what does an initiated man want? How does that work? You know, what did an initiated men want? So I went and asked because I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out because it was like such a, I don't know, such a weird consideration. Can, can they want anything else than orgasms? And, and an initiated man said, what we want is an initiated woman to go on an adventure with, that we can make offers to go on adventure. Okay, well, sex is an adventure, but in that domain of let's say physical sex intimacy and, and I, I mean I shouldn't limit it to that because it's really true I think the point where we are and in terms of where you know when I say we sort of the women here I, I'm sure there's also men I think I've, I've seen in the in the list of participants is the space of healing I think where we really are is when a man can hold space and holds it to his attention 
on a woman, the healing process is for the woman to ongoingly say what she wants. That basically there's almost very little space for the men to say what they want because they've got what they want to some degree. You know, in the patriarchy, they get what they want basically almost all the time, even if it's not really real, if it's not authentic. But for, to make the, safe, the space safe enough for this archetypal feminine to come through, it's really this gentle, firm space of the woman saying, I want this, I want it like this, I want you to put your hand here, I want you to uh, complete my communication, I, uh, I want to do an experiment with you, and, and, to, and then I think it's a very natural process for this gateway for the feminine to come, to come out. And I think that's, that would be a form of an archaeical sex. And, and that's where I found, you know, Eileen, to answer your question, like my, the, the, a force of creativity in that space of relating, that space of relating, a space of really a possibility of it's like the space of relating is a space of possibility. And, but we've just learned really, and, and that's also part of our survival strategy and a way to not have access to this gateway of the feminine or whatever, the masculine is we fill this space of relating with assumption, expectation, resentment, uh, conclusion, judgment on ourselves, on the other person, you know, how should it be? How should it go? Having an image, having a, a vision and image about what, what sex is or what relating is. And, and really for me, the, the invitation here is to consider that archaeal sex is new, that it has never existed before that we are inventing it, we're creating it, we're researching it with whatever, you know, as much beeps as goes. But that um, you mentioned a little bit in the beginning, Gabriela, this idea of uh, the priestesses, you know, who were, some of them were quote unquote sexual healers or, or, or goddesses who was the same is, in my experience, these um, approach to sexuality were still in the context of patriarchy. So it was, I mean, I can imagine I, if I declared myself as a priestess protected by some God, men were not allowed to come into the temple only when I said they would. God, that would be a really easy way to get out of the claws of the, the asshole men. Very powerful, protected by the gods and it, whatever. Okay, but that has nothing to do with this creative collaboration between the initiated feminine and the initiated masculine. So I think there's a lot of experiments to do. And in terms of the, the woman is, it's this un, absolute unwillingness to be subject to patriarchal behaviors, whether they come from yourself or they come from men or women around you. As a, as a stand, to just take a stand and, and to, you know, I mean, I remember being in a call a few weeks ago and it was, there was two men, two women, quote unquote, space holders. 
And one of the men kept interrupting the other woman, talking about the space that they were holding together. And I didn't say anything. And at the end, I was just sad. I was like, how can I have let down my sister? How can I not have taken the stand of saying, hey, this doesn't work here. You know, you cannot just interrupt and talk over and, and uh, destroy the feminine. I will not allow it. And so I, I'm still very much in this journey of being, um, you know, intolerable, intolerable in the face of patriarchal behavior. And I, and I think in that creates finally this safe space for both um, whatever, a woman on the path and a man on the path to explore this um, ecstatic, pleasurable, like Vera said, uh, orgasmic sex in, you know, when I say five bodies is, and you might want to check that out in your, in your relationship is most people have in the beginning, let's say sex in two bodies. They have some kind of conversation and they have some kind of physical sex. You know, maybe there's some kind of emotional uh, listening or sharing. Okay, sex in three bodies. Okay, after the honeymoon period, after a few years, after you've got children, basically the emotional uh, sex disappears because there's so much resentment already, already in the spaces. The communication is impossible. And, and then the physical sex disappears really quickly after that. And so what you have in terms of sex or communication is logistics. You know, how do we handle the kid? Who's gonna do their laundry? Who's gonna go shopping? Now, when do we meet? How much money do you make? You know, and, and so, okay, five body sex is that you both people are on this healing journey, this ongoing healing journey at the emotional level. And the mind doesn't always take over. There's become a separation between the mind and the being. Um, you know, touch, touch is being negotiated. We haven't even started talking about negotiating intimacy in terms of sex. And there's an energetic um, uh, awareness about, about timing, about whose space is it, about how much time is needed for a woman to feel safe or, um, um, you know, uh, it, am I keep, did I keep my promises? Did I make a promise and keep my promises? Am I trying to, uh, you know, cut you off from myself or whatever? This is the energetic domain. Okay, well, having sex in four bodies is quite an experience already. You can have four body authentic relating. This is kind of incredible. Okay, if you own your, your quest, to delivering your archetypal lineage, and you get to be with somebody who has a resonance in your, your quest, in your archetypal quest, then what you get to do is to have sex in five bodies. Even when you're holding space for a group of 20 or 30 people, for example, in an expand the box. So you can notice trainers having sex in front of you in an expand the box. And that's, that would be five body sex. And yeah. 
Yes, I, I relate to your uh, description of uh, priestesses and patriarchal world, and also not knowing to enter the intimacy space, actually, because there is no this communication with men. It's like decision. Uh, so it's, but I feel like women need to be also doing a lot of healing to heal themselves. It's not about only taking stand. You know, it's also about being the patriarchy in me, inside of me, and to go out and say, I push it away because it's, we own it, we embody it already. So, yeah. Yeah, really to use it, like you say, use, use the, <clears throat> I don't know, it's sort of like the survival strategy as stepping stone, as, as, yeah, a stepping stone out of a, a culture and, and stepping stone into building the culture you want to live in, and where you want to have intimacy in. And it, it mm, you know, this is sort of where we started and my, the, the context, like you said, like I realized you go outside and everything is telling you to be sexy, even your clients, even, you know, you, it's just all around, there's this pressure of how, what a woman is or what, a woman should behave and and so um this you know extracting yourself out out of that and building your own culture doesn't mean separation doesn't mean you can't go in the street or you can't have clients or you can't talk to the shop you know uh, grocery seller or something but for me is i have my cent my center my grounding cord my bubble and then i have my cultural bubble of space so i walk around you know, and people say, how, how is Mexico? And I said, I have no idea because I don't live in Mexico. I live in Pasabilica. And I, and I go around to shops and restaurants and, and all in Pasabilica, in my culture. And, and I can have a cultural conversation being, God, this is, this is really interesting the way you live. God, I, I, I want, is this working for you? And, you know, and I, I don't have to be cynical or I don't have to attack. I, I just can be curious about, why would people choose to live the way they, they live? And, that, and that's how I, I work. I come with questions. Come, and then saying, do you know that, that there's other possibilities? Well, would you be interested to hear about those? And if the person says no, I said, great, this conversation is over. And if they say yes, then, then the, the conversation continues. But that might be, this is why this, this context, this cultural context, I'm, I'm emphasizing it and, and bringing it, you know, in the foreground is that this is the basis of the healing. Because otherwise what you're doing is I'm, I'm in conflict and then I'm trying to force my way back into the patriarchy. If you don't have something else to move into, if you don't have something else to move into, the reflex is to go back to what is known. Okay, well, start creating this culture. What does it look like? You know, what are the, what is the non-material value that, that are being created? What are the initiations that are, you know, that are part necessary in this culture? Um, how to, uh, how, uh, you know, you can even go create, how are children raised? You know, how, how do people um, become elders? How do people, how do people become adult? You know, all these questions is a part of, building your own culture.
I know we 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 passed time, but are you, Gabriela, are you okay? Sticking around a little more? Okay. Yes, sure, of course. Just... Naomi, go ahead. Thank you. You you spoke about having resonance with somebody in the archetypal body and being on the path of emotional transformation. And I also remember in the Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love book by Clinton, that it says to, to think that somebody needs to be on the same path as you are in the same place, that that's an illusion. Mm -hmm. And I find myself with that question, like, is the resonance just there? Can I create it? Um, I, as a woman, also have a role of somehow initiating or inviting men into where I want to be. And at the same time, I have this fear, and that's like just a healing path for me still, but of being adaptive. Like, I don't actually really like this, but I'm going to adapt to you and stay with you and be with you. Um, and I'm going to applaud everything, little thing that you do that is like kind of what I'm looking for to not make you feel bad because I have to save you from having feelings. And it just fucks me up to not have clarity about this and to keep on wondering what I'm up to. And I'd love to hear something about this. I would just want to say, I hear you. I get that you want to add something about this. Yeah, I, I have the same situation and I feel a lot of fear about um, about that, that what Naomi said, that that I like I invite my partner in in the same in the same place where I am or 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 I invite him and and I feel fear that that he takes this he, he takes this this invitation, but but uh, but I feel fear that that this is like that this is that this is not the path to for him that this is not not the place for him or stuff like that. And when I see and when I look at him where he is on his path and I am like applauding, yeah, you did this, it's this, like the, the, like the child. And I am like the parent and the child. And the, this, this I, I, feel, I feel fear a lot of in, our, in my relationship that, that I don't have a relationship with my partner like my partner. Mm -hmm. and and uh, I don't and I feel fear that I, I don't know how to go in this cycle like to track him like a child or 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 only observe it or what like I, I don't know yeah and when do you say stop and when do you say ciao you know like yeah yeah <laughs> I mean there's a force that we haven't really talked about that is called echo the Earth Coincidence Control Office. And that force is that basically when you have um, on the you're in this path of path of healing and transformation and you have dropped enough baggage to be interesting to the universe, because you're to some degree serving your quest, to some degree uh, being a space for your bright principles and archetypal lineage, the universe says, Great, this person is doing what she's supposed to do, you know, in, in the case of a woman. I'm going to I'm going to move her to support her to support her on a quest. It really works like this. And this is an echo also makes you meet the people in my experience that will ignite your quest, that will ignite your your work, your archetypal lineage. And so if um as you're evolving, you know, I mean partly 
part of your question, you know, Naomi, this is my assumption. You know, I is that Clinton wrote Radiant Joy, Brilliant Love, which is the one of the main book in for the work of possibility management that's been re-edited as Building Love That Lasts from Clinton Callahan. He wrote this book in the construct of monogamy, where it was you in a relationship, you have to make it work because because you said in front, you know, you sign a contract that said for life, you are the only one for me for life forever, you know, basically until we die. And so part, part of the context of the book was in this, um, this idea, you can make it work with everyone. And it's like, okay, maybe, I don't know. I haven't tried that experiment, but something that's more interesting for me is who do I need to be with to, ignite my work and echo will put these people in my path and and this this what you were both talking about Agatha and and Naomi about um, you know you make an invitation and finally a little bit of the invitation is accepted and you have this like joy or whatever in my experience it comes from the need for him to be a different person than he is and you know and and it's like, well, probably you remember being with people who wanted you to be different. And it's not so great. It's really not so great. And so, and then what is created, you know, is when he finally becomes a little bit of what you want him to become, you um, lose completely your center and, 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 and grapple and grapple for the little moment of intimacy, the little moment of authenticity, the little moment of connection. And it's like, and, and, I, and, it, and it puts pressure on that moment of intimacy and destroys it, completely crumbles it, basically. That's, my, that's what I've seen happen. And, and my, really my invitation for that is do what you wanna do. Do what you want to do. And if there's this fear of, well, I'll be alone, or he will leave me, or I don't know what other fear, or he will never make it without me, or God, I'm his biggest, you know, it can be really different kind of fears. Okay, those are emotional fears. And these are really stepping stone for you to, to stand into this fierce, centered, grounded, compassionate, connected woman who keeps her center. I mean, this is what I want. Are you coming with me or not? And if it's not, then then I'm gonna still go do it. I'm really still gonna go do it. I really want to echo your echo force. I really relate to this. And also in my personal life, I can tell the woman here, it's exactly like we have, uh, we are not all initiated and my emotional body is rocking a lot and uh, and my mate is uh, post-traumatic with a lot of uh, issues but it's exactly what you said Anne-Chloe about the echo force that you meet someone that's gonna ignite your work your service here and this is really in in a moment that I don't know and if he's the right one or not the right one it's really about this speaking. It's calling me to my call. It's like growing me all the time. And this path of like doing your thing, every time that I'm doing my thing, I really 
see this echo force that is involving or is calling me because the things is also a lot of mystery has to intimate relationship a lot of things that we need to discover or to reveal we don't know everything and sometimes as someone that uh, think that you, you think that is is like lower than you and different consciousness than you or not uh, doing this or not uh, going to workshop he come to elevate you you need to evolve more and when you evolve the echo force come and if it's not it's not it cannot work so this is also related about the monogamy things or freedom like just to meet and just to explore but it's really i i really experienced it in my life like uh, i want to escape so many times from this uh, relationship because of my issues but it's always about this uh, i'm in my path i'm doing what i need to do and i feel this wow it's calling me like this echo force so i really i like this too i wanted to elevate this echo force and put it here in the mm. space and i i want to add something else about this is that there's a lot of forces at work in terms of our life and even more in a relationship because there's two two incarnate being that are forces working through them and so if you know you're doing what what you're supposed to do and then echo puts you in sort of a connection with someone who has a resonance in your quest and it whatever and it's not perfect and you can say god what angle told me was a lie because because we have resonance and we're on this path of evolution and it's still not working <laughs> okay so one of an experiment to do a very powerful experiment is to commit it's this experiment of committing that 100% closeness is possible it is possible to have 100% closeness and um and it doesn't mean it's going to be perfect i'm just saying that intimacy is possible it is available in a space of relationship of relating and what will show up is that if you do this commitment with somebody who's on this path of evolution you know to some degree with you what in my experience what will show up is your own um ways that you kill intimacy your own ways you it will come out straight away because because the intimacy will it will not be 100% and what 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 that means is great you have the next thing to work on you have your next emotional healing process you have your next initiation your next growing up step and that and that you can to some degree use this space of relationship as finding your your next step how do i kill love you know this is basically the 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 basis of every survival strategy how do i kill love how do i kill presence okay well it's great you know whatever when they come up when they come up you work with them and i want to emphasize this is a space of relating in terms of an intimate space of relating um from two people who are in the path is not a space for process it is not a process space it is an intimate space 
is an intimacy space. And the process happens with your team, with your three cell, with your coach, with your whoever, whoever you have to do emotional healing processes or initiation or, but if you fill up your space of relating with problems of how you're not relating, this is what you're gonna get, how you're not relating. And so, so instead do experiments about how to relate where you are god i don't know how to ask say what i want okay for the next hour can we go for a walk in town and and you say nothing or you don't decide where we go i decide you know as a woman i'm gonna say and and you say i want i want to turn right here i want to put my feet in the water you know if you live in tel aviv like some lucky people um <laughs> i'm gonna uh you know, I want to check out this bakery. I want to, I want to go talk to this person. I don't know why. I want to walk in the sun. I want to buy this hat for you. Wh whatever comes up and you do this experiment as to practice saying, I want. And when the hour is done, then you close the experiment. Okay, what's the next experiment? Okay, the next experiment is that um, I'm, uh, we, um, God, I don't know what, um, we sit at a cafe and you, you keep asking me, well, I keep asking you, what are you really? I really want to get to know you. Actually, I don't know you. I, and can we go on a date? Can we go on our first date together? I want to, I want to get to know you. And, and I don't want to hear any stories that you've told me before, you know, whatever. There's really thousands of experiments to do this. Um, Wait, and then, and then your space of relating is a, is a space of possible experiment, possibility, and not a space of process. Does that, does that help Agatha and Naomi? Yes. Process would be talking about problems and instead of experimenting. Yes, yes. About this didn't work, you didn't do this, you're reacting here, okay. The space of intimacy, really, I recommend, is not a space for feedback. So it's not a space where you say, that was your gremlin, you know, and that was your child. And, and you use, you know, you use that word and I told you I didn't like you using that word or whatever. Really, intimacy is not a space for feedback. It can be a space for question. You know, you did this, I did not understand. Can you tell me what your purpose was, for example? Because I don't. I'm not getting it, but okay. This, this has to do also, I think, and that was your question, Naomi, of this question of, you know, when do I say stop? And then when am I adaptive? Okay, well, that depends on which um, phase of adulthood you are in. So there's this distinction between phase one of adulthood and phase two. Phase one of adulthood is a lot of rage work. And it's about taking care of yourself, absolutely. In every moment, you know that you can take care of yourself. You do not need anybody to take care of you, to make sure that you are okay. No, you make sure that you are okay. You feed your five body completely so that you're nourished when you come into a, a space of intimacy. You, um, whatever, you do your emotional healing processes, but. It's really about being able to make boundaries, make distinction and say, I am okay. 
And when you can do that, basically for two or three months, you notice that in every space that you are, you can do this. Then you can, then that means you're ready to sort of move into phase two of adulthood. And phase two of adulthood has more freedom of movement in terms of having uh, space to like give more space for the other people, for the other person, for example, to figure out what they want or to discover what their purpose was. Where there's more, because you're taking care of yourself, there is more space and time and attention for the other person in the space of intimacy. That's what I discovered. But really it's like, if you don't do phase one, you'll never get to phase two. And so it's this, I mean, and it's an ecstatic experience. I mean, for me, it was totally ecstatic that I could sit there with people in complete emotional reaction towards me. And I would say, I hear you. And I take care of myself right now. And I'm not, you know, and, and you can go have your emotional reaction, but, but I'm not available to be in, in, encroached in that, like hooked into that. And, and that was really this work of phase one of adulthood. And, and it takes emotional healing process and a lot of rage work and boundary making and some core emotional healing processes such as taking back the center from your father as woman and also from your mother, for example, in terms of types of initiation that we're talking about. Yeah. I would, I would bring it, Gabriela, I would bring it to a close in the next five minutes. I think the space is quite filled. I agree. Is there anything anything else from anybody else? Can you give us a tip, like like you did now about intimacy, but about womanhood? God, there she is. <laughs> God, yes, yes, it's, it's, um, womanhood, like being an archaeal woman is a gift, something like that. It is ecstatic and it is our birthright. It is our birthright. And, and somehow, you know, kind of like the same commitment to closeness to say, to commit to that space of possibility of relating to the universe of relating to my partner is available to me it is already available and and there's things in the way but to you know i often stand there and be god what what would the mage say you know and you can stand there and say what would the woman say what would the initiated archaeological woman say or do in this moment and so that could be a great a great hint to have it always available. It is, yeah. because it's also, uh, yeah, and also this uh, energy about the archaeal woman, now I really feel it. I, I know, I, I really start to connect with this, which is nowhere in the world. So it's so important to make it more present, this teaching. Mm. I hear you. I. So <laughs> part of, I was telling Gabriela a few minutes when we were starting that um, Echo was really moving people around and including Gabriela for us to meet again after a year and a half of not having uh, really been in contact. 
is that um, I'm preparing a space that would be called something like the archae the archaeological woman who who is she, you know, and how 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 to get access to her, how to unleash her, and and I'm I'm wishing for it to be a space of a few months, so it could be six months or eight months or maybe a whole year of going on this journey um, as a space that would be exclusively for women um, into doing the initiatory processes and step with this foundation of the possibility of the archaeological woman and discovery of, of her. So this space would really slam the door open. It really, so thank you. Thank you, Gabriella. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm signing in for the registration. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was like, uh, I want, I'm going to say mind blowing because I feel my heart and, and it's so important. And yeah, I really want to put it here and thank you for this beautiful woman. Uh, that came beautiful, like as an essence, as a high principle. Um, yeah, I really want to encourage those talk and this space of the archaeological woman and to support it. Um, yeah, I put it here. Okay, we had one man. Oh, good. Welcome. <laughs> Mm, I want to say, I just want to sort of maybe finish with this, is that I, I really know that I'm standing on the shoulders of a lot of women who did the work that we can have a conversation like this today. Because mm. 50 years ago, 80 years ago, women coming together and collaborating in, in love, you know, whatever, loving, caring, empowering, fierce, fierce spaces was not possible. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for a lot of the work that women have done before me so I can stand here and be with you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. See you bye soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.